Yeah, my Nick vape ran out, and I really can't justify getting another one right now, so I'll just talk about it. It's just going to be me talking about how much I want a nicotine vape right now. No, I really don't want it. You know, it's one of those things where it's like you develop a vice, and then it's like you don't even realize what you get out of it. Because, you know, you, you use something like that. I don't know. I, I, I know exactly what I get out of it. It's like I really enjoy what it does to your thoughts. Like to me, I find it, it kind of each time I would take a, a hit or whatever you call it. I don't know if a hit only applies to drugs, but each time I would do whatever you do with a vape, suck on it. Uh, it does do something for you mentally. It is mentally stimulating. It does affect your thoughts in a way that I like. I mean, it's like what you hear about people who write and smoke. I think, because I've enjoyed, that's a thing too, is I've been doing some writing writing again the past few days after taking a couple months off. And uh, so having that vape is nice. But anyway, enough about that. No, I'm in one of those deep, deep, detached states, very deeply attached. Deeply detached, rather. I don't even know what I'm saying. That's why I need a Nick vape. No, I'm in one of those deeply detached states, which is probably every episode, but still, it's I haven't seen anything on the news for days. I haven't checked the news. I haven't checked any social media or so. It's one of those things where you'd think that if something really important happens, they'd send out an Amber Alert. It's weird to me that Amber Alerts are the only thing that you receive notifications about. And I've only ever heard people comment on that once or twice. Like when there's an Amber Alert, like everybody finds it morally acceptable because it's alerting you to the fact that a kid got kidnapped. And that's a good thing, you know, I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not taking the stance of, oh, uh, they shouldn't even let you know when a kid's been kidnapped. <laughs> they shouldn't even let you know when a kid's been kidnapped. No, you know, who am I to question Amber Alerts? I mean, they probably do more good than bad. My only point is that it's the only thing that you receive some kind of notification about. Like, you'd think that with, like, like and I mean this specific, like, like, obviously I don't think that everybody should receive this really invasive, loud text or what, it, you know, because that's what, the, it's just a weird thing too, because it would make much more sense if an Amber Alert was just a text message, just a normal text message, and you check it. But it's like this alarm goes off, and it's always weird because everybody's phones go off at the same time. So it's just this weird phenomenon that we've just accepted as normal. It's a normal part of having a smartphone, a nature phone. The nice thing about having a nature phone is it lets you know when a child has been kidnapped. But it's just something we've accepted as a part of this whole experience of using these things that it turns out we have to use. And you really can't get away with not having a smartphone. Therefore, you can't live a life without getting Amber Alerts. And it's not like there's even any setting. You know, I don't think there's a way that you can go into your settings and be like, turn off, turn, turn off it. <laughs> turn off Amber Alerts. You know, that'd be amazing. You'd probably like, if you turn off Amber Alerts, it would probably like send a signal. It'd probably like send a signal to the cops or something just to wait outside your house. That probably sends a signal to the FBI. 
It's like it's a direct button to the FBI. Like they get an alert being like, this guy turned off an Amber Alert. You might want to investigate him. You might want to pay attention. Like a spouse is going through their significant other's phone. Like somebody's going through their boyfriend or girlfriend's phone. And like they go in and they check to see. And they, they realize their boyfriend turned off Amber Alerts. And now they know he's a monster. No, but you think like with Coronavi and everything, I kept saying, and I'm still saying it, but I kept saying then, and I'm saying it now that it blows my mind that like, I don't get the information. Like being in the state of mind I'm in right now, like having, I'm really not getting enough sleep. I'm in my own world the last few days more than usual. And like, if important things are happening, there's no way that I would ever know about them. Yeah, with family, if there's an emergency, if there's somebody I know who needs something, that's one thing. But no, none of these authoritative bodies are telling me like what even the status of anything is. And with Coronavi, like it just surprises me that the only thing I've ever been given, the only information that has ever been given to me since March 2020 is in like April, I got a postcard that listed what you should do about Coronavi, and it was from the government. I don't know if everybody got this or if it was just me, but let's send this guy a postcard. But no, it, it was a just like it was just a, a you know a two sided postcard. Like it wasn't a booklet. It was just cheap as cheap as cheap can be, and it just basically said like wash your hands for forty five seconds. Wash your hands for 45 seconds. Wear a mask. You know, it was basically just the most obvious things. And I think some of it's even outdated now. I think some of what was on that, I should have saved it and sold it. Someone, somebody wants to buy that. No, but it, what's crazy is that's the only thing that's actually, that's the only information that has been given to me. I've received nothing else about coronavi procedures. I don't get email, you know. I get no notifications. You'd think an Amber Alert would go out when, for example, they issued a mask mandate. You know, back in 2020, when they first started requiring masks everywhere, you'd think that they would have sent that out the same way they send out an Amber Alert. That seems like it's important information. And I guess it's a slippery slope arg argument, though, because like if you start notifying people about things like that, then it's like, well, they're going to start sending you Amber Alerts about everything. They're going to start sending you Amber Alerts when there's a lot of traffic. They're going to start sending you Amber Alerts for everything. I mean, that's already kind of how I feel about just the fact that they notify you about a kidnapped child. Like, it's kind of weird that they don't issue that about like, anybody on the loose. Like, you'd think that if somebody just shot somebody and they haven't caught them yet and they're on the loose in a given area, that you'd get a text message that vibrates and makes all this noise and you can't get rid of. You know, you'd think that you'd get one that's like, hey, a gunman is on the loose in your city. That seems as important to me as a kidnapped kid. And the kidnapped kid ones are weird, too, because a lot of them are those weird situations where, like, I don't think it's just pedophiles. I don't think Amber Alerts are just for audiophiles abducting kids to play them high-quality music through expensive hi-fi equipment. You know, I don't think it's just audiophiles picking up kids. I think you get those just for those weird, like, 
daddy's out of jail and he's not allowed to see the kids, so he's going to kidnap them. I think you get those just custody issues. I think those come through as well. It's like, because a kidnapped kid is a kidnapped kid. Like, I get that it you don't really need to subcategorize a kid who's not with a person they belong with. Like, I get that. I get it. You know, I understand. I understand the idea behind it. It's just, it's just funny to me that we've accepted this, that it's just like, oh, there's the Amber Alert. All of our phones are going crazy. We're, we're only going to get this if there's a kidnapped kid. A KK. We're only going to get this. But it's just, I, I would think that anything that's truly an emergency, I would be fine with that. Because I don't know where to go for actual information anymore. Like, because I don't really look at Instagram anymore, I don't really look at Facebook, like, you know, I, I, once, once in a while I do. You know, I didn't for a couple of months, and then now it's just like maybe once a week I'll look at one thing. But, you know, it, that would be a way that you find things out, I guess. Because I know that the government, because like someone might say like, oh, you say that you didn't get any information about Coronavi. Well, you have to like listen to the governor's speech. And I'm like, shouldn't that be just transmitted to me somehow? Shouldn't that be, shouldn't I be getting, shouldn't every email address get, get a copy of that or something? You know what I mean? Like, shouldn't they find some way to get you that information? Like it requires you to, because obviously it's like, you're not necessarily going to watch the governor's speech. So it's like, you're relying on reading news articles. You just have to go through so many steps. And if you're in your own world or if you don't have access to information, whatever it is, it's amazing. Like you could go out into society and not even know what's happening. You know, you're not even going to know. Because, I mean, I think it was like yesterday or the day before. I had to actually stop. I was going into the grocery store. And I had to actually stop and look at the sign to make sure they still require masks. Like, everybody's doing that. You know, it's been a long time since I've seen somebody's face in the, in the grocery store. I mean, it's been since July. Because that was when all of us weren't in this area, weren't wearing masks. But I had to actually stop when I was entering the grocery store and like look at the sign they have outside and be like, okay, are they still mandating masks? Because I don't know. And I, I don't like that it's so automatic putting it on now. And you can tell that it's automatic for everybody. Like you can tell that we're way past the point of habit. You know, they say that thing. I don't know how true it is, but a lot of people say it. So I'll repeat it. Which is, uh, you know, you form a habit if you do something for 90 straight days. And I mean, we've been well, doing this mask thing for a year and a half. So, I mean, it's, it's become a habit. At this point, you can just feel it. Like even last year, you know, even, uh, even earlier this year, you could still kind of feel that masks weren't totally natural and like people were prepared to take them off. You could tell people were kind of ready. Like, as people started getting vaccinated, they started to wear them less and less. And then by the summer, people weren't wearing them at all. They were no longer mandated. And, like, leading up to that, like, leading up to July here, where they suddenly were like, oh, you don't have to wear your mask. You could feel that people were, like, waiting for that. Like, they were looking forward to when they don't have to wear a mask. Like, they weren't, even though they'd gotten in the habit of using them, you could tell they weren't completely invested in them. Unless they were crazy. Because, you know, I heard about that. There are people out there who were like, well, you know what? Even if I don't have to wear a mask anymore, I'm going to wear a mask. <laughs> Which, hey, you know, I'm, I'm not going to stop you. But but anyway, uh, 
it's just funny that there's people like that. More power to them, you know. The people, the person who's going to be wearing a mask when all this is over with completely. That's I like that person. But you know, you could tell that people weren't like. Most people weren't like, oh, I'm just I'm just resigned to the fact that I'm the, I'm going to have to wear one of these forever. And then they were more than ready to start taking them off as people got vaccinated, as people, as the mandates dropped. But then when they started enforcing it again, whenever that was, I guess August, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but around like August when they suddenly started enforcing masks again, you could tell that people are just resigned to it now. Like when you go to stores, it's not like people are like, oh, we just have to wear these for a little bit longer. Oh, it's kind of a novelty. You can tell they don't even think about it. It's like getting in the car. It's just the reality. And I mean, and that, that's why I had to stop myself. That's why I had to stop and like actually look at the sign and be like, is this still required? Because I don't know. And I don't know what the state is saying about it. I don't know what the federal government is saying about it. And uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to be resigned to anything at this point. I just want to get an Amber Alert that tells me masks are now required again. Masks are no longer required. That seems like something that most people would be willing to let happen. Like if we can accept getting an occasional text message about a kidnapped kid, I think we could accept getting a similar sort of message. And you know what? Actually, why even frame it as an Amber Alert style text message? Like, just like I was saying how an Amber Alert itself could just be a normal text message that doesn't blow up your phone, you know, it could just be a text message and, and most people are going to read it. And you know what? I think more people would care about the, I think more people would pay attention to a normal text message that's an Amber Alert because uh, when you get a real Amber Alert, you're actually not even focused on what it says. You're just trying to stop your phone from vibrating nonstop and making a bunch of noise. So like you're focused on that. You, you get this, uh, you know, your body tenses up and you're like, oh, fuck, like an Amber Alert. I got to stop the phone from doing that. I've got to click confirm or whatever it asks you to do. And because of that, you're focused on just getting rid of that sound. And I think you're less likely to pay attention to it. At least I am. Like now that I actually think about it, I think I give it a glance you know, I don't want to be the guy who doesn't save the kid if I'm given the opportunity. But for the most part, I don't really read it. It's just there. I want to, I want to get my phone back to normal. So I think if you've got just a standalone text message, people, because everybody gets excited when they see they have a text message, even if it ends up being the phone company, just seeing that they got one, they're like, oh, what is this? And if it was an Amber Alert, you're going to get it and it's going to feel kind of spammy because... It's not a text from a girl. It's not a text from your friend. So it's going to feel kind of spammy, but because it's an Amber Alert, you're going to be like, oh, well, that, that's a good thing. And so the, the same thing, like, like I, you know, if you send out notifications about masks or about whatever new thing they're asking you to do, I mean, it could be just laws or anything like, hey, we passed this law and it goes into effect on this day. So be careful if you break that law. I don't know. It's just important notifications. You know, that's just, uh, just, it's, it's just a funny, it's just, it's funny though how like things become almost like a tradition. It's not the right word, but 
I guess grandfathered in that kind of, I don't know. I'm, I'm not finding the right word here. I guess just the way we, we accept that we get text messages that shake our phone violently when something happened to a kid. And nobody's trying to add more to that or take away. I mean, maybe somebody out there is, but you know, nobody's really trying to change that. It's almost like, oh yeah, we light seven candles on this day every year. The only thing that you should get insane notifications about are Amber Alerts. Like th these things, they become almost like this tradition. Like, oh, we, we always turn the light off in the garage when we get home. I don't know. It's like how families develop their own little habits that almost become traditions. I mean, it's cute. It's cool. It's, it's actually what I like about being human is that you can turn anything into this system and you can kind of learn to accept any arrangement. But that's also the problem because people who force things on you, you know, people who are trying to get you to do things, they know that eventually you will just resign yourself to it. A lot of people will at least. Still trying to get juice out of this thing. I can kind of taste it, which I think is all I really want. Because I don't, I don't know that I've been using it enough or long enough to really have. I mean, I'm sure that I have a dependency. It's been months now. I've, I've had the, I've had these pretty regularly for months. So I'm sure there's a level of dependency or addiction. But I haven't found myself like feeling a physical draw to it. A lot of it's just that oral fixation. But I can get a little bit of the taste, and here I am. Here I am saying like, "Oh, I'm not. I'm not that. I'm not feeling a physical draw to it as I'm like trying to get more juice out of it when it's empty. It's that red bang flavor, Red Bull flavored, bang flavored vape. No, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those periods where it's like everything. There's a phrase I really like, which is. Of the world, but not in the world. Or it might be the opposite. Is it in the world, but not of the world? Yeah, I think it's in the world, but not of the world. Either way, I mean, the idea for me is the same. <laughs> even though those, even though the order is very important. Even though getting the order is right. But basically the idea of, you know, you live your life. Like, you're human. You are a material person. And you have all of the needs that a person has. But it comes with this sort of detachment. And it's it, it's definitely it plays into the idea of being an observer more than a participant. And so, you know, you yourself, you can't distance yourself from your own humanity. You want to have friendships and relationships. You want to do what human beings do. But when you actually look at it, when you actually hear about it, when you see what's going on, rather than having a negative reaction, which the majority of people do have, a lot of negative people kind of frame it. They're master framers. Framers. And a good example of that is the way that people have branded hate. Like the sort of person who has turned the term hatred into having certain views 
when, yeah, hatred manifests in the viewpoints someone has, but that's not actually what it is. You know, hatred is not tied to any particular viewpoint or any particular idea. It goes so much deeper than that. It's it's such a it's a, a much more intrinsic part of what a human being is to hate, to feel hatred. Like it's I don't think of hatred even as an intellectual thing, where it's like this is an idea, this is a person, this is a thing, and on an intellectual level, I just hate them. I think it's far more gut based. And it's different from anger. You know, it's much different from anger, even though sometimes hatred comes out in the form of anger. But you see hatred all the time. And it's pointing out the obvious, but it often comes from people who claim to be anything but hateful and are quick to call other things hateful or evil. Because it's what the word hate has kind of become. It's become a word for evil. And hatred can be very evil. But it's like when I talked about jealousy, where there is something in us. You know, you can either, you can think of that multiple ways, where is hatred something that shouldn't exist inside of us? that we should try to get rid of? Like, if, if you feel that thing that we call hatred, is that something that should never happen and has no use? My opinion is no. That it does have a use, rather. And not that it should happen, but that it does happen. And I don't, and kind of like I was getting at where it's not even so much an action or an event that happens or a particular idea or an expression, you know, it's much, it's much more deep inside of a person than that. It's ongoing. I mean, that's, I think that's one of the things that I've realized about hatred is that it is ongoing. It's a slow burn. It's ongoing. What's up, buddy? Once out, but um, you got on my back. Oh, there's a frog right there. Jesus, they've been coming real. I think because it's cold, they've been getting way too close to the house. I love them. I love these frogs. I like that they hang out here, but I really don't. One of them got in the house once, and it's just you know I don't want Batty to to deal with these guys. He's kind of barked at them before he sees them around. And, you know, it's funny, too, with these frogs, because it's like I realize they hang out by this light on my back deck. Hey, Batty, come on. Hey, come on. Anyway, we got a got Batty checking something out outside. frogs but but anyway um yeah i don't i mean it's for me it's like i've mentioned before like some people have gaydar and they can recognize when someone's gay i have hate dar 
I can tell if somebody's being hateful or not. And the more you detach yourself, the more apparent that becomes. Like where you can you can easily sense where something is coming from. And I always worry that somebody's going to hear what I have to say. And regardless of what I'm saying, they're going to hear some kind of disgust or hatred coming from me, which I don't feel these days. But again, like I was getting at a second ago, I don't try to shut that feeling out because I think that it does have some kind of purpose, kind of like jealousy. That was what I was going to talk about is, you know, people experience jealousy and they think, oh, this is something that shouldn't be here and I have to get rid of it. When jealousy is telling you something and sometimes it's telling you the wrong thing. That's why you have to have discipline. That's why you have to clear yourself. That's why you have to, you know, clear your mind, just everything clear everything because then it's like when you feel that sensation you know exactly what it is like this has happened to me over the years like as, as somebody who hasn't dated much if at all for years like i sometimes get into this mode where everything's going very well i feel i feel good about life i'm i'm spiritually sound you could say and I'm not thinking about women. And then I kind of start thinking to myself, oh, you beat that game. Like you're past the point. And then like I'll have interactions with the women and they go fine. And, you know, like there's nobody in the world that is intimidating to me. You know, in, in the sense that like I could talk to a pretty girl and not feel nervous because I'm not invested. Like I'm not trying to, to get attention or I'm not trying to do this or that. And I kind of trick myself into being like, oh, you've beaten that game. And then something will happen where it's like you're waiting to hear back from like you talk to a pretty girl, you know, and then you realize like you're waiting to get a message back or you're waiting to hear, you know, it's like, it's that sort of idea. And you suddenly feel that feeling again. And it's, it's amazing if you catch it right when it happens, not to even stop it, but just to go like, oh, my anxiety about this is kicking in. Now I'm kind of expecting, I'm wanting things to go a certain way, or maybe not even that. No, I wouldn't even say that. Not even I'm, I'm wanting things to go a certain way, more just like, I hit the ball that way and now I want it to get hit back. And of course it's not just that. It's not just a mechanism. Like I did this, so I want them to do this or whatever it is. But you just kind of get into that mode where, you know, it's happened to me a couple times. Like it doesn't happen to me often, but it's happened to me a couple times in the last few years where I kind of trick myself into thinking that I'm past that. Because when I was younger, it used to be that all the time. You're dating a girl or you're having a problem with your girlfriend and that wait, like you're waiting. And I'm not even someone who sits there just waiting. And that tells me that it's that significant because, oh, she didn't message me for, she didn't reply for three hours. She didn't reply for, th you know, I texted her three hours ago and she didn't reply until now. You know, it's like that sort of thing that I think many people experience constantly. What I'm learning is that people are going through that all the time. And even when you think that you're not in that mode, suddenly you find yourself in it and you're like, oh, it's that. And that's, again, though, it's telling you something. 
And it's not that you shouldn't feel that, but it is telling you something. If nothing else, that feeling, like in a romantic context, like if you have a romantic interest and you're feeling those butterflies because like, are they going to respond and are they going to respond favorably and what's going on here? You know, it's like when you're feeling that feeling, it's telling you, oh, you're consumed by this. It's telling you, oh, you're invested in this. You're, and, that, and that's, to me, that's also like when you say stupid shit. That's when you try to get somebody's attention when it's not the time. To, maybe a better way to put it would be like, the second you start feeling, like if you're talking to a girl, the second you start feeling like, oh, I want to say the thing that's going to impress her, or I want to say the thing that's going to engage her. That's usually when you say the thing that's the least engaging or the least impressive. That's that's when you get weird. <laughs> like that's when you say something and you get weird. Or like you send some disjointed thought that you over it's it's something it's when you overthink. That's what that is. It's just it's when you overthink. You you suddenly are like, "Oh no, I want to say the right thing." And when things are going well, it's always because you're not you don't care. You don't care about saying the right thing. So when you start to get that feeling, when you're like, when you're feeling nervous or when you're feeling like, oh, she hasn't responded yet. What am I going to say? What am I going to say? She hasn't responded yet. What am I going to say? You know, when you, when you get into that weird neurotic mode, and that, that is neurosis, I think that's when you stop yourself. Like, because you don't want to say anything when you feel that way. Because people don't realize that. Like, they think if you type a message that that's not connected to the way you feel when you type that. Like, they think because that's on a device. They think because it's on a phone, like writing a text message because it's on a phone. It exists in its own time and space. But it's like everything you're feeling impacts what you say. And to get kind of out there, I think they can sense that. But it'll, if nothing else, it'll come across in what you say and the way you phrase it. And I would, I would argue that like if you say something when you're in that state, like if you send a message when you're in that state, it has the same impact as if you said it out loud in a desperate voice or with some kind of obvious nervousness or neurosis, which girls don't respond well to. Like they might, if, if you're, if you're eccentric in a charming way or something, like they might respond favorably to it for a second. Or if they, if there's other stuff about you, they like, like obviously that works. But in general, I've noticed that women don't want you to actually be weird. <laughs> like no matter how, no matter what they're into, I just, just in my experience, it's like, they don't want you to be, I mean, well, people always say that about desperation because that's the thing. Like I just said that a second ago, like when you say something to a girl and you're in kind of that desperate state and not desperate for sex, just desperate to like keep it going or desperate for validation. Let's go with desperate for validation. That's the name of this episode, desperate for validation. Uh, but when you're desperate for validation, like just like I was saying, uh, you know, it comes through or, or rather what was I, I going to say about that? I got so caught up in desperate for <laughs> validation. Um, 
Oh, what I was going to say about it is when you're in that mode, like when you're desperate for validation, like when you cross that line to where you're feeling desperate for validation, when you're talking to a woman, for example, like that's when you say something weird. It's not when you say something mean. It's not when you say something stupid. It's definitely not when you say something cool or interesting. It's when you say something that's just weird. And yeah, most women don't respond well to that. Like there are special women who I think do truly appreciate weirdness because they are weird themselves. But I just know that like no matter who a girl is, like I just, it, when you say that weird thing, they, it's like they no matter who they are, it's like their gut response is, what? What? Because I mean, men respond that way too to women when they're in that mode. It comes out differently, but men respond that way. Like when a, when a woman, it's like when a woman is being a woman and that doesn't mean just one thing. Like when a woman is being a weird woman, I think all guys have had a certain amount of experience with that. And if you were to say to another guy like, oh yeah, she's being weird. He might not know exactly what you mean, but he has a sense for it. And women can do that with men, you know, to each other, with each other about men. Like, I guarantee you that when a woman says to another woman, he's weird, he's weird. He said something really weird. <laughs> he said something really weird to me. He said something really weird. They have a certain way. The reason why I know that this is something women talk about is because they have a very certain way of saying the word weird. And other people, you know, it's, I was thinking about my friend Steve from high school. I haven't seen him in forever, but he's one of those guys. He and I hung out every day. Every day of high school, he and I hung out. He has a wife and kid now. I haven't talked to him in, God, like 15 years. One of those people you just wish well because he's such a good guy, but you don't stay in touch. But anyway, even he realized this. Like, he wasn't a guy who necessarily, I don't know, I feel like this is something that he wouldn't have necessarily observed, but we were, we were stoned one night, and he just said, he, he did like this imitation of a girl, and he just said, you're weird. Like, not to me, but just like, it was like, and we both understood that that was one of the most horrifying things a girl could say to you. Like, even though I am weird. Even though most of the people I know and care about, I would consider them weird. It's one of those things where it's like if a girl says to you, like, you're weird. That's not a good thing. And they have a certain way of saying it. And they all seem to know how to say it. <laughs> uh, but I think that's good. Like, I mean, I kind of like that. Like, I like that women have certain, like, a, like almost like, a, like a, a way of talking. Like, I, I like that they have their own language for talking about men. Like so many men are so insecure that the idea of women talking about them behind their backs or just about them, it just, it's horrifying to them. Whereas I think it's kind of cool, like depending on what it is, you know, obviously there are things they say where I'm just like, what the heck? Like, I mean, I told a story on here where somebody I love, who's a good friend of mine, but I still it kind of blew my mind that she said this, but it shouldn't have actually, it shouldn't have blown my mind, but just that she made a comment once where like she had dated this guy who ended up being just not a great guy and 
she commented to like one of her female friends when we were out and I just happened to overhear it. She was like, I should have known when I saw that he had such a low follower count on, I guess, Instagram. Because the guy was very successful at various things. And I just overheard her say, like, I should have known when he had, and I saw that he had a low follower account, which tells me that when she first saw that, it lodged in her brain. And she's not a shallow person. Like, this is a person I have a very high opinion of, which is why it's so interesting to me. Like, when somebody that you have a very high opinion of says something like that, for me, it doesn't make me go, oh, they suck now. Oh, it uh, sucks that you suck now. Sucks that you suck. No, no, it's, it, it, my brain doesn't go there. My brain goes, oh, this person's awesome, but they said something I don't agree with or that I find shallow. That tells me not that they're stupid, but it tells me like there's, there's a whole other thing going on that I have to think about, just about people. And, you know, and there's all this evidence that women are very socially focused. Like they would notice, like I've never once, I guarantee you, I've never once gone to a girl's Instagram page and paid attention to like how many followers she has. If I see it, I might notice that she has a ton. Like if it's some like astronomical amount, I might be like, whoa, but she could have 20 and I'm not going to think, and she could have 500 and I'm not going to think. In fact, I'm not even going to look at it. Like, obviously, if somebody's a celebrity or if they're, you know, if they have some huge online following, that's a little different, but it's just not something that ever registered to me. So the fact that somebody who is, who I consider awesome would see that and think like, I noticed that he has a small follower account just kind of blew my mind a little bit. And it tells you. And you know, you know what it was though? The way she said it was as if she had said, he's weird. <laughs> she said it as if she was talking about just him being weird. Because that's what women feel. Like, like me talking about women looking at men or hearing what men say and being like, that's weird. That's something that like they just, you don't even need to use that word. It's just, it's kind of, it's like hatred where it's, it's kind of like a sensation they feel. It's like something that they feel very deep down. And I can promise you that when a woman goes to a guy's Instagram page and sees that he doesn't have very many followers when maybe he otherwise should, like maybe he's the type of guy who, based on what he does in life, he should really have a much bigger following. And when you see that he doesn't, it's almost like he's low status. And maybe he's low status because he's weird. (laughs) You know, because that is sort of the thing. Like, because the guy she was talking about, I met him, I think, once, and he turned out to—he he turned out to have some serious issues. He did—he honestly, he did turn out to be weird. The stories I heard about him, if they're accurate, which I believe they are, it did turn out that he—he he was very weird. He had some weird stuff going on, but he was a good-looking guy. He had a hobby slash—he had like a hobby that you can do professionally, and he did that and like traveled the world and. You know, he was in shape. Women liked him. Like, women were attracted to him. He pretty much had everything going for him. So, like, when a woman sees that and then they see that he has a low follower account, it it, it does something in their brain where it's like, this doesn't really match up. Like, he must be weird. Because why else would he not have some sort of status? 
And I mean, that got me thinking about myself for sure. <laughs> you know, when I heard her say that, like, even though she's just a friend and, you know, we're good friends, like, I was just like, that makes me think about myself a little bit, you know, because uh, it's one of those funny things, though, where like this guy, in his case, it was almost like he seemed like he should be this alpha male. And I don't use that kind of language. I don't think in those terms of alpha males, beta males, uh, sigma males. I, don't, I just don't think in those terms. I think if you're thinking in those terms, you're not the one. If you think in those terms, you're not one of the things that you want to be. Like if you think about alpha males all day, chances are you're not an alpha male. And the same goes for thinking about beta males. I think if you just think in those terms, because there's the one like sigma male, which it's basically, it's like an alpha male who's far more solitary. It's like an alpha male without the social status. Like they, they do all the things an alpha male does, but by themselves. A lot of people love that one. <laughs> a lot of people who know they aren't out, al- <laughs> a lot of people who know they're not alpha males you know, rationalize it to themselves by being like, I'm a Sigma male. I mean, the reason I'm not an alpha male is because I'm a Sigma male. Like you might as well be making up a gender. You might as well be making up like a furry persona. If you're sitting around like wondering whether you're an alpha male or a Sigma male, like you might as well be like coming up with some, yeah, like furry online persona. Like, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Like the way you're thinking is exactly that. It doesn't matter if you're lifting weights and reading Nietzsche. If you're sitting there thinking about whether you're an alpha male or a beta male, or for that matter, even worse, to go out of the world and try to categorize other men as alphas and betas, you shouldn't even need to think about it. Like you should know what people are when you meet them and you shouldn't have to do a freaking equation in your head. Like, if you have to meet a guy and you're like, oh, well, it looks like he lifts weights. Like, honestly, that's the male version of looking at someone's follower count. Because I didn't mean for that to be some anti-woman thing. I'll let you know when I'm being anti-woman. But that whole thing about my friend who cared about this guy's low follower count. You know, the, the whole thing about that uh, is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not even like a criticism of her. It's just very telling. It just tells me like the way that people who I otherwise wouldn't expect the way they evaluate things. But I also think it's kind of, it is shallow. I think if you heard yourself say that out loud, like if somebody repeated that back to you, if you said it, you wouldn't be very happy. Like you wouldn't want to be quoted. And unfortunately I'm quoting somebody on here, but I'm not saying her name. You know, it's not a criticism of her. I just have to make that clear. But, uh, like, I would want, if I said something weird, (laughs) I would want somebody to talk about it, too, without naming my name. So, and you know what, I give, I I provide a lot of far worse material than that on here. But anyway, like, when a guy, like, looks at another man and evaluates him, and it's, it's not a secretly gay thing. Like, when a guy squares up another man... And he's like, hmm, is this guy an alpha male or is he a beta male or is he a, or is he a sigma male like me? 
maybe this guy's a sigma male like me. You know, if, if a guy's going around thinking that way, it's not that he's secretly gay. It's just, it's the same thing as like looking at that person's follower account. It might as well be that. Like there's a joke that people make. Like if you, if you ever read about fitness, you know, if you, if you like pay attention to like fitness circles, there's always a joke about how like men pay more attention to other men's muscles than women pay. Like men are more likely to admire another man's muscles than a woman. You know, she's probably doesn't even care, couldn't care less about the size of a guy's biceps or whatever, like up to a certain point. But I mean, I think that's exactly what I'm talking about. Where it's like men kind of size each other up and not like as competition necessarily, not because they want to compete with that person. I think it's just what men do. They size each other up. And a certain sort of man or a certain sort of boy has learned these words, alpha male, beta male, sigma male, there's probably more, right? And so they start to like try to understand men that way. They, tr they try to understand social dynamics that way. When it's like, if you're even thinking about those things, you're already late to the game. You're already out of the competition. But it's what men will do. Like, it, it's hard to even, like, I find myself doing that. It's not like I'm exempt. Like, I don't size men up physically, but I do kind of size men up in terms of like, well, what's this guy all about? I would say it's as simple as that. What's this guy all about? And it's not necessarily a friendly thought. But I think the female version of that is like with technology to look at his followers, to look at his follower account. They're interested in those social dynamics. Not that men never care about that, but I think it's, women are far more likely to pay attention to it. Not because they choose to, because they do. And that plays into the joke about like men admiring each other's muscles more than women admire a man's muscles. I think that's just what men do because that's part of the sizing someone up thing. And that's actually, I, I used to always love that. Like when you'd meet someone new, like, a, like let's say you have a female friend and like you meet her boyfriend, which can be an awkward thing. You know, I think every man, no matter who he is, no matter how secure he is, when his girlfriend introduces him to other men she knows who aren't her family, who aren't gee, they're not gee, <laughs> like they're not obviously openly gee. No, when, when, when a woman introduces her boyfriend to other men she knows, there's going to be a sizing up. And to try to, to try to pretend that that's not going on is stupid. Doesn't mean you have to be mean, but it's like to try to pretend that that's not what's going on is just silly. And I think I've talked about it on here before because I mentioned how it always bothered me like if a girlfriend of mine would introduce me to a guy and he was way too accommodating. He was acting like a total doormat, like over the top, like as if like, I mean, act, acting like a beta. <laughs> no, but it, but it seemed like a show. That always made me more disturbed. 
Like, cause I mean, I've definitely been in a situation before where like I meet some guy who knows my girlfriend or something and he's like, let me buy you a drink. But he does it as this, it's like this big, very performative action. It's like, are you trying to screw my girlfriend? Cause the guy who comes up and just insults me, I'm not going to worry about. Like the guy who comes up and is kind of gruff is the guy I'm not going to worry about. It's the guy who tries way too hard to bend over backwards and flatter you. And I don't think you earn respect that way. And I, I definitely, I don't form friendships that way. I can't think of any of my good friends, and I think they would say the same for me, where we ever acted like freaking doormats when we met each other. Like where we, we complimented each other unnecessarily. Like I, and, and the beauty of like the friendships I've made in life is that you can't even trace the genesis of them. It's like they just manifested out of thin air. It was like you met this person. You know, I can't even tell you how I met certain people. I couldn't even tell you. I couldn't even tell you like what the initial meeting was. They just ended up in my life. But I can tell you that like none of those situations, whether it was childhood, whether it was any point in adulthood, like somebody who's too accommodating, a man who's too accommodating... I just don't think I'm going to be friends with them. I don't trust it. And and when I do trust it, they just seem like a little too weak or a little, it, it seems like it's insecurity or something. And I mean, I can even remember that as a kid. Like I remember that as a little kid, every once in a while, there'd be a kid who was really nice, but you don't choose your friends based on who's nice. Like maybe if you have zero friends, you have to choose based on who's nice. But it's like, I never chose friends based on who was nice. I can guarantee you nobody chose to be friends with me because I'm nice. <laughs> oh, Eric, he's so nice. That's why I like him. No, I don't, I don't think that my childhood friends especially thought that. But, uh, you know, I can think of like kids you'd meet growing up and they'd be like, do you want half of my peanut butter sandwich? And I'm like, I don't trust you. Who does that? Like, either your parents, like, completely brainwashed you into being this communist. Or you're just, you know, too nice. Like, and I don't trust it. But then again, like, I mean, I know people, like, I think there's a difference, though. Because, like, my mom was the sort of person who a lot of people felt like she was way too nice. And they trusted her. It wasn't like they, but it was like she was one of those people who I think, though, that's like a... I think that's like reaching a certain stage of your life. Like I think she reached a certain place in her life where it just made sense to be nice all the time and to do things for people all the time. Because she, the thing was, she wasn't a doormat. And I think that that's what I said earlier. And I think that's an important distinction where she was never a doormat. That's like one thing I noticed about my mom is that she was nice all the time. Almost, you know, of course, of course she got mad and stuff, but... She could be impatient, like everything. She's a human being. But I just mean, she made it a point to be nice all the time. And what's so interesting about that is that she somehow managed to not be a doormat either. And I think that's what I'm noticing is like people who seem like doormats. It's not even that I don't feel bad. It's not even that I feel bad for them. Like, oh, that person's just waiting for a bunch of abuse. It's that I actually don't trust them. Like, because those people end up being passive-aggressive. Those people can end up being manipulative. And 
what got me going on this was just exactly that, which is that like if you have a girlfriend and she introduces you to a male friend or a coworker, doesn't have to be a friend of hers, but a coworker. Cause I remember that. I remember I met my girlfriend's coworker many years ago and he was like offering to buy me shots right away. And it was just, it just seemed like he was trying way too hard. And I don't think anything was going on. Like, I don't think anything was going on between them. I think though that he may have wanted that. And he was, he was trying to be my buddy. Whereas like meeting other people, like, you know, I've met like, I, I've been the coworker that my coworkers are introducing me to, like like a coworker with a boyfriend is introducing me to them at a get together or whatever, and it's like I can tell you that it's like we just end up like you kind of size each other up because like I said you can't not do that as men you're not gonna not do that so you kind of just size each other up quietly, and you know I think the best icebreaker for men is always just some sort of gruff joke. Because everybody can get into just a joke. Like, what are they doing? What do they think they're doing over there? Just an observation. I think, I mean, observation is really the currency that I live on. It doesn't matter who someone is. Let's get away from all this man and women talk that I've gotten kind of obsessed with for some reason. Maybe because you're not, I don't know. People aren't willing to talk about that anymore. It's become, that's the insane thing. <laughs> that's the completely insane thing is it's, it's not even that you're discouraged from talking about women negatively like you're discouraged from just straight up talking about the idea of women and the idea of men so maybe it's it's even more important especially because i feel like we've just kind of hit a point i feel like our culture has just kind of hit a point where we've accumulated enough knowledge we've accumulated enough information anecdotal as well as you know we just accumulated enough information to where i feel like we're actually starting to kind of understand what women and men generally are and it turns out we, we are what what we always thought we were <laughs> we just had to reach a point where we had enough information to confirm it and it's funny that like we've reached that point as a society Right as there's this massive wave of don't even talk about men or women. Talk about people with specific genitalia. You know, all the stuff that ever, all the stuff that the anti social justice people go on about. You know, everybody knows what I'm talking about. But it's just kind of funny. I feel like that coincided with us reaching a point where we could actually start talking about those things that we always kind of knew about men and women and to do so without hatred without harsh criticism to just be able to speak openly about what we are and then all of a sudden there's this sudden campaign i'm not even saying it's conspiratorial i'm just saying it seems to have happened right around the same time that suddenly people are saying no you can't even talk about that you can't even differentiate men from women you have to describe what's between their legs. You know, we've completely blown the idea out. Just blown it out. But um, with, uh, you know, just meeting people, though, like observation is my favorite currency. And when I think back to forming friendships, it's not somebody being accommodating. It's not somebody being nice. 
It's often somebody making an observation. And when I was younger, it used to be a negative observation. Like if a coworker of mine quietly like whispered in my ear, this speech really sucks or whatever, you know, whatever it is, like say you're at a training, like say you're at a, like a work training and like one of your coworkers like, fuck this, right? And you're like, yeah, fuck this. You know, that's a friend or like, hey, did you notice how the instructor did this or said this? Like just observations. I don't know why that's my example, but it could be anything. Did you see that guy? Or laughing at the same thing. You know, it's, it's that sort of stuff that to me builds a friendship. It's when you laugh at the same thing and you go, oh, okay, this person gets it. It's basically, you know, on, on some deep level, it's like, oh, this person gets it. And observation is the number one way to do that. Awareness. Knowing that another human being is aware and capable of, of observing and commenting on the same thing as you. That is a friendship. But, uh, it's a strange time for that. Friendship does not feel simple to me right now. I'm lucky to have the ones I still have, but it's like the, when I think about the idea of actually making friends in the world today, it's not that I don't believe it's possible. It's not that I don't want to do it. I just don't even know where to begin. I don't even know where to begin. Like, what do you even talk about? You know, what do you even talk about? Like, what do you even observe anymore? I was, uh, I hadn't gone to Evergreen since the school started. It was a nice day, so I took Batty over there earlier today, and all the kids are there, and they really do seem like kids. And I was thinking about it. I was like looking at this building where I, I used to go in this building where there was an ATM so that I could get $20 out and go to this guy's dorm to buy weed. And I was looking at that building. It's this building where like kids check the mail and they do their laundry. And I was like, holy shit. I, I used to be at that place 17 years ago. Like, I was in college. Like, I started college half my life ago. And I was looking at that, and I was just like, holy shit. Like, yeah, I, I had started college half my life ago. That was, you know, 17, I mean, more than that, I guess. I don't, I don't even know anymore. I guess I was 18. I'm 35 now, and I was 18 then. So whatever it is, 16 years, 17 years. And I was just like, that's crazy. But then I was looking at all these, these kids around and it's like, it, it was really a ragtag bunch. You know, because Evergreen is still just tanking. Every new update you hear, they should send out <laughs> Amber Alerts about that. I should get Amber Alerts about the state of Evergreen's finances and their enrollment numbers. Because everything I hear is just horrible. The school is just tanking and tanking. And that's not good for me. Like, I take no pleasure in that. I mean, I, I have evergreen on my resume. In this area, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but, you know, because people know what it is and half, seems like half the town went there at some point. But it's still one of those things. It's not good for you. If you went to college somewhere and the place is tanking, it's not a good thing. But, you know, I'm of the world, but not in the world. 
So it's like I don't feel any emotional investment. I'm not like, oh my God. Like I don't care if it tanks because they made their own bed. But being there and just seeing like the kids who are there now and there's all these signs around. Like I didn't even know they had a mascot. Like the, the mascot. No, I knew they had a mascot because they talk about it all the fucking time. Because the mascot's a gooey duck. But you never heard of that. We're weird. Welcome to Evergreen. We're weird. Our, our mascot's a gooey duck. This is why I'm hateful. <laughs> this is my own hatred coming out. <laughs> this, is, this, is why, this is why I can't see myself making many friends in the near future. Uh, but anyway, like the mascot's a gooey duck. And I didn't even know they had an actual physical mascot. Like I didn't know they had a guy in a suit. And maybe they didn't before, but since school started back up for the first time in a year and a half, like since people are actually on campus again for the first time in a long time, I noticed that all these signs telling people to wear masks, like they have this photo of the mascot on them and you, you wouldn't even know what it is. Like it looks like a taco. It looks like some, it looks like a hot dog. Like that's actually what it looks like. Like this gooey duck mascot costume. It looks like some sort of weird pale hot dog. It looks like somebody took a hot dog and just like changed the colors, like they changed the color template. And it's wearing a mask and pointing to its mask, which is dystopian. It's it's undeniably dystopian to see this like weird, happy, gooey duck, hot dog looking mascot wearing a mask, pointing to it. And it's like masks are required indoors. So those signs are all over the place, which just make it. Yeah, a little bit dystopian, but seeing the kids and stuff too, it's like pretty much what you'd expect. Lots of girls with short hair, dyed hair, you know, just it's, everybody looks the part. They definitely look the part. At least the kids I saw today. But it, it felt a little surreal. You know, everything's feeling pretty surreal lately. Like reality has taken a shift. And I don't feel like it's just me saying that. I feel like reality has taken a shift. And everybody seems a little bit weird. Everybody seems like... Everybody seems like they're on the verge of saying, you're weird, to each other. Like, it wouldn't even surprise me if that's just the way people talk in the near future. It's just people going around calling each other weird. Because we have reached a point where everybody is. And a lot of it is this anxiety. You know, I, I was talking a, a little bit ago about how it's like when you send something to a girl and she thinks it's weird, it's usually not because you were trying to be weird. And maybe you weren't even actually being weird, but, it, but it's because you wrote it in a state of anxiety. And if you write something in a state of anxiety, it will be read with that tone. No matter how you phrase it, it will be read that way. But all of these people have severe anxiety disorders now. And so they're all coming from that place. So many people are coming from an anxious place all the time, especially when communicating with people. So... Everybody might as well go, on a, go around just like accusing each other of being weird. Why not? It's true. But still, there's, there's nothing worse than a girl saying that to you. But maybe it would harden everybody up. Maybe that's my fetish. 
I didn't mean harden up in that way, but you know, maybe my fetish is a girl saying, you're weird. Like my joke for years, one of my favorite jokes that I don't think anybody else appreciates, but one of my favorite jokes is that my fetish is when a girl goes to the refrigerator, gets a previously opened two liter bottle to pop out, takes a sip, pauses for a second, kind of like tastes it, like kind of does something with her tongue or lips for like a second, and then says, this tastes flat. That's my fetish. And my favorite joke. <laughs> it's when a girl gets it. I'll tell it again. It's when a girl gets a two liter bottle of soda out of the fridge. Oh, an important part is that she still has, she has to be standing in front of the fridge with the door open. Like she just, she opened up the fridge. She's still standing directly in front of the open fridge. The door is open. She reaches in, grabs the two liter bottle of pop. I'm imagining a dark cola. She takes the, she doesn't move. Like she doesn't change her footing an inch. She's still right in front of the fridge and she takes the cap off of the two liter bottle of dark cola soda and she takes a little sip and then she says, this tastes flat. That's my fetish right there. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children